0: You listen, the later it gets You're listening to Voice America Kids Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see
1: Welcome to Express Yourself.
2: The cars in the United States were placed end-to-end. It would probably be Labor Day weekend, and this is from Doug Larson. Hello, and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Brigitte Gia, and on today's show, we'll be discussing Labor Day.
3: And I'm Jovan Hundle. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit www.bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media.
2: Be the Star You Are has launched Operation Hurricane Harvey Disaster Relief, and we need your donations to help us help those in distress by providing books and re- other resources. Please donate today at bethestarur.org. You can even donate through PayPal and uh, Giving Fund, and you can have no fees. And we'll donate straight to the Hurricane Harvey victims. And today,
3: we have Express Yourself Teen reporter, Jack Palacos, with another installment of his segment, Trends Without Ends. Hi, Jack.
4: Hello, uh, I'm Jack Palacos. Uh, I'm happy to be back reporting on my segment, Trends Without Ends. Uh, And today, I'm going to be talking about the trends with Labor Day. Uh, To start this off, here's a little fun fact. I don't know if you knew this, but the Labor Day holiday uh, has been going on since 1864. So with that said, let's get right into it. So, during the summer, there's a lot of time and space to plan out a long and faraway trip. Maybe you visit relatives in a different state, or maybe you leave the country entirely. It doesn't matter, because summer's long time period allows for these sort of vacations. However, with Labor Day only adding an extra 24 hours, it can be tricky to plan something as big as leaving the country due to the time constraints. It is becoming far more popular to actually drive to relatively close tourist sites and attractions during shorter break periods, such as Labor Day. For example, someone living around San Francisco in California might travel to Tahoe because it's only about a three to four hour drive away, but it can prove to be an excellent vacation site. There are literally so many wonderful places to visit within driving distance of your home, and Labor Day offers the perfect opportunity to visit them. Another trend that is rapidly becoming more popular on Labor Day weekend, it's pretty much the the exact opposite of what I just stated. People are finding it enjoyable to work extra hard on Saturday and Sunday in order to get all of their work done, including Monday's work, and then they completely take Monday off. Studies have proven that people find it crucial to take at least one day off to fully relax and relieve their stress at least once every couple of months. While at home, Over 67% of people will be barbecuing this Labor uh, Labor Day weekend. And this is actually a long-standing tradition. Some of the newer barbecue trends show people grilling more chicken than in the past. But the grilled hamburger reigns supreme, and over 70% will be feasting on a hamburger. With second place is the grilled hot dog, enjoyed by a solid 50% of people. You might say that uh, Labor Day... Is going to carry on one of the most popular trends as the barbecue. But uh, this Labor Day, you might want to consider doing absolutely nothing uh, except for the work you would have to do on Saturday and Sunday. Or you might even want to consider driving up to a nearby tourist attraction and having some fun there. Either way, Labor Day weekend is a great opportunity to try something new. Whether it be traveling or just staying at home, Labor Labor Day is a pretty fun day.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, And... um. Yeah, you know, just speaking a little bit more about Labor Day and its past and its history, do you have any info on how it was originally started as a holiday?
4: Uh, Well, Labor Day was actually recognized as a holiday to honor the contributions that laborers have given to America and continue to give. The originator of the idea is disputed between two people who ironically also have the same sounding names, Peter McGuire and Matthew McGuire. Uh, not <laughs> McGuire, it's Mugwire. So, uh, however, the origins of Labor Day are a bit stormier. Historical record, uh, records show it started because of what was perceived as unfair labor practices in the railcar industry. It began when the demand for rail, car, rail cars dropped. The owner of the railcar company, George Pullman, began to lay off workers. The workers felt this was unfair, and the American Railway Union. Stood behind them and would no longer work with the Pullman rail cars. This affected many parts of the United States, and this event is seen as the beginning of the Labor Day movement where laborers began to fight for better working conditions. Some say that the day off for Labor Day was promoted to appease the workers. Nowadays, we mainly enjoy it as an extra day off, but there was a good deal of sweat that made it possible for the rights workers now enjoy today.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I, I like that bit where it's like, you know, they worked really, really hard so that we could get a day off and not have to go back to work and work that extra Monday. And so, uh, Jack, you mentioned barbecuing and barbecuing as an activity that a lot of people like to do on Labor Day. And so do you know how much the average person eats at a barbecue?
4: Well, with their, usually at a barbecue, there's tons and tons of options to choose from, but the average amount of food consumed from the average person at a barbecue ranges from about 2,600 to 3,000 calories. If someone is looking to cut down, though, it's probably, probably the easiest way to knock off calories is just avoiding soda, because there's usually soda at a barbecue, and soda is one of the biggest uh, suppliers of calories, so... Or in any forms of maybe bread you could skip, but soda is the big
3: form of calories people get. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's just so widespread. It's ubiquitous within our society. You, wherever you go, you're going to see some of the soda. And so what are the, you know, types that you might see at a barbecue on Labor Day weekend?
4: Um, well, in the, the, I guess the top five uh, sodas that you're probably going to see are Coke Classic as the most popular diet coke because a lot of people think that they're going to be able to cut out calories by having diet coke but it's still not very good for you Uh, Mm -hmm. and Pepsi is a third Mountain Dew and Dr. Pepper are tied for fourth and fifth pretty much they're pretty similar
2: Yeah, you've got all these different, you know, types of soda, and you're kind of bombarded with all these options, but then, you know, the reality is none of these options are that good for you, and, you know, they do come out with all those alternatives, like Coke Zero and Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi, Uh, but I feel like I definitely agree with you, where (laughs) if you want to knock off those calories, maybe... Just avoid the sugary drinks uh, on Labor Day, although, you know, there's still some good barbecue to be had. (laughs) And so, um, Jack, for the people that still shop on Labor Day, you know, go out there, get out of the home, uh, maybe, you know, take advantage of some of the sales and deals. Are there any trends about, you know, shopping or sales, anything like that? Uh, Well, the
4: latest trends show that the average shopper on Labor Day spends around $150. And the biggest, uh, I guess, deals you can get are mainly like large box stores like Target and Walmart, uh, because they put deals on pretty much everything they have. And it, and then it's usually, you, yeah, there's usually a lot of deals on pretty much everything. So it's a, it's a good day to go grocery shopping on, but <laughs> sometimes if there, if there's really good deals, then that can create a lot of like traffic in the store and it can be annoying to shop. So
3: <laughs> yeah, that can happen. <laughs> yeah, and um you know you were talking earlier earlier about how it might be hard for people to, you know, plan a trip out of the country um on such you know a short three day weekend, but are there any other, you know, popular travel destinations that people might want to go to? Um well some of the top travel destinations uh by survey uh surprisingly are
4: Salem in Oregon and Stow in Vermont. Uh Santa Barbara in California, is also a big one that people go to. Tahoe is another big location. Provincetown, um, then, yeah, Provincetown is also, a, uh, that's a fairly decent location that people go to. Um, and the trending theme mainly, uh, it, it mainly seems to be heading to the beach, because uh, Labor Day, it's, it's still pretty hot around this time, uh, in a lot of areas or fairly warm. So, People will try to head out to the beach for, like, a last-minute relaxation time at the beach before it gets too cold.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And, like, uh, I guess, I, I mean, I know in my area, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, so a lot of people head to San Francisco because you've got the beach and then you've got, like, the urban shopping or, like, cafes, you know, um, entertainment area kind of um but yeah definitely the beach seems to be a pretty popular destination and i guess you can also have barbecues or uh bonfires on the beach which maybe are not quite the best thing uh environmentally but uh people do seem to like them and so uh jack i just wanted to know do you have any plans you know for your own uh labor day you know are you gonna spend it studying or are you gonna go out to the beach maybe or anywhere fun
4: uh, well, for me, I'm most likely, uh, probably just going to spend it hanging out with some friends, um, just, uh, probably doing something casual like that. I don't think I'm going anywhere this Labor Day, so I'm probably going to take more of the work hard Saturday and Sunday and then relax approach to it, but I think that'd be pretty fun.
3: Yeah, definitely. So many of the, you know, students with overwork, um, little sleep, these sorts of three-day weekends, just a breath of fresh air. Um, and yeah, and so what are some, you know, are there any other trends for Labor Day weekend besides any of the ones you mentioned above?
4: Oh, right. Uh, well, I guess another pretty important tradition that's been going on for a really long time on Labor Day are the parades. Uh, there's tons of parades all over for Labor Day, uh, and those can be pretty fun to attend. And, one of the relatively newer trends um, on Labor Day are people are hosting marathons and like large biking and swimming and running events, uh, stuff, stuff like that. Uh, that's actually becoming more popular on Labor Day.
2: Yeah, definitely. I guess that, again, ties in with the the idea of labor and the idea of working hard and sweating (laughs) on on the Labor Day um, holiday that kind of commemorates all of that. And uh, so thank you so much, Shaq, for this wonderful conversation. I managed to learn a lot about Labor Day and the traditions that kind of uh, are behind the holiday uh, instead of just seeing it as like another September, Monday to take off of school. Um, Unfortunately, that is all the time that we have uh, audience support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star Ur charity that brings you this program. For more information on how to do this, go to bethestarur.org and follow our blog. I'm Brigigia Gia
3: and I'm Jovan Hundle. For more information, head on over to our website which is again www.bethestarur.org and don't go anywhere as we continue our fascinating discussion on Labor Day.
2: We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. I'm Brigitte Gia, and you are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. For this segment, we are discussing the theme of Labor Day.
3: And I'm Jovan Hundle. In this segment, Brigitte will be going over the history of Labor Day to broaden our knowledge on this week's theme.
2: Right, so just to start off with the origin of the holiday, uh, Labor Day was first created uh, through the efforts of American unions and worker organizations to commemorate the efforts that American workers have put into the founding, development, and continued growth of our country. So if you guys listen to the first segment, uh, you'll see that uh, our reporter Jack was absolutely correct in his going over the origins of the holiday of Labor Day. Um, It was created to kind of commemorate the work of American unions and uh, American workers, laborers who slaved away in order to create kind of the foundation for this country. Uh, If we look back at history, we can see that Thomas Jefferson and the anti-federalists back in the 1700s, late 1700s, early 1800s, they decided that this nation was going to be a farming nation, that we were going to stick with, Farming And agriculture as our main commodity, as our main source of uh, income or profit uh, or gross domestic. I don't think that's the right term. But um, instead, we kind of moved away from farming and towards industrialization. Uh, I think we started with kind of the textile industry. We had the New England te- textile industry going on, kind of uh, communicating back and forth with Great Britain who where the Industrial Revolution kind of started. So we as a nation really moved towards the industrialization uh, path. And with that came the sort of idea of a free market economy and every man for himself and less government regulation within the national economy. And so we see with that that a lot of bigger businesses, a lot of corporations, um, industrial powerhouses were kind of taking over and profits over people's lives, over the, the state of living, the quality of life of some of these industrial workers, these laborers. And so what those laborers kind of did was really stand their ground in around the 1800s kind of um, period of time in the United States. And they really put their foot down, uh, or their feet down. <laughs> they went on strike. They worked to make sure that every working man got his rights, got his access to education and to a better lifestyle, a better quality of life. And that's kind of why we have the holiday, is both because these laborers worked really hard, because American workers built of America, and because they kind of really fought For our right to kind of exist, for the the idea of the people being the dominant force in this nation and the people being their own permanent, their own, you know, they, they determine their own fate, they determine their own quality of life and their own rights. And so throughout history, working individuals have really helped us integrate the logistics of a free market economy into our country's structure and policies. And they've also made sure to, you know, help us maintain our autonomy as, quote, unquote, the people. And they've helped us remind ourselves that uh, independence and individuality in particular are very, very important, uh, even as they, you know, came together into unions and fought against the individuals it was it's kind of a weird paradox where uh, the laborers came together and became one giant body one union to fight against individuals who are oppressing them but at the same time it was a very it was a fight for Individuality as well, because it was a fight to ensure individual working rights, to ensure uh, th- to ensure that you're not just another cog in the machine, uh, so to speak. And so their nonstop efforts re- to improve the standard of living and free rights of United States citizens has really allowed for the implementation of several unalienable uh, rights for all Americans, where laborers are, you know, a vital majority of what we consider to be, again, to be the people of our country, and they've. Pushed against a lot of corporate monopolies and injustices throughout history. And um, specifically, uh, I would say in that period of time between World War One and or between the Industrial Revolution, the beginning of it and World War One. Uh, So around 1850 to 1914, we see this push towards um, workers not being just, again, another cog in the machine, not being another commodity that a lot of businesses could exploit and could take advantage of. Uh, and so now let's just bump over to a few labor conflicts that went on throughout history. Again, this time period is around 1850 to 1914. Um, and so, uh, as I said before, we have a lot of industrial revolution origins of the labor movement that uh, kind of is the background behind Labor Day. But We see that a free market economy, uh, or as it was perceived in maybe... The later half of the eighteen of of the nineteenth century um, signified kind of an idea that individuals should seek to maximize their utility, uh, their own utility for their own profits, and we see this idea of social Darwinism of you know survival of the fittest being applied to society, where business owners would say, "Oh." just survival of the fittest, I've used my brains, I've used my persuasive skills to build up an industry, um, whether it be rail- railway cars or textiles or any other sort of industrial uh, happening that was going on during this time period, I've gotten here, therefore I am allowed to treat these other people as commodities to take advantage of them and their labor Because it's survival of the fittest. I need to maximize my utility and I can take advantage of others because that's just the way humans were structured to be. That's how society was meant to be. And so there was this idea that was very, very prevalent during that time period, during the Industrial Revolution and during the industrialized age or the early industrialized age. And that really was what Contributed to the oppression of a lot of working-class individuals. And so uh, we had some talk about the Pullman uh, conflict, the Pullman strike during the first segment. And just to kind of expand upon that, uh, factory owner and kind of corporate business head, uh, George Pullman, actually created a specific company town, uh, Pullman, Chicago, I think it was. And what he did was he kind of made this little company town uh, that was near his factories, his industrial settings and grounds uh, to house all of his laborers. And so he controlled the rent, he controlled all of the, you know, sanitation, facilities, nourishment, schooling, everything that went into the town, and he allowed his workers to live there, which you think at first would be, you know, just great. That's that's wonderful. Like, he's he's housing his workers. He's, you know, improving their quality of life, their standard of living. Everything's going great. Uh, it's all controlled by the Pullman Company. But the thing is... Um, as profits really rose and fell with a fluctuation of the free market economy, and as, as Jack said, as people be- began to demand rail cars less, or as maybe you know production of the car went up, maybe the railway industry was just um, you know going through a kind of bust. Pullman decided to cut the workers' pay because he couldn't get enough profits. Uh, and what do you do when you can't get enough profits in a capitalistic society? You cut down on the input prices. You either do you, you either like reduce your quantity um, manufactured, or you cut down on your input prices, which in these case were the laborers' pay. And what he also did was raise the rent prices in Pullman Town in Pullman, Chicago. So the workers were dealing with both a raised rent price for their living conditions, for their housing, and pay cut. uh, Pullman also laid off a lot of workers as kind of a way to, again, minimize his costs, maximize his profits. He didn't really think about the workers' standard of living, quality of life. And, you know, it's not to say that he was the epitome of the evil, like, you know, corporate head, but he just didn't think of it that way. He thought that he was here to make a profit. He thought that he was here to really get a lot of money. So we see that at the end of the day, the Pullman strike happened, the laborers put their foot down, and it happened on May 11th, uh, 1894. The workers stood against rising rent, lowered wages, layoffs, a corporate head seeing them as a kind of commodity, a uh, a simple like as simple labor right as simple nothing but parts of a machine going on and on and on they stood up against that and they really pushed back against it they you know tried to reinstate their rights as human beings and the incident as a whole and the strike as a whole really exemplifies the idea that individuals are important in our society. And I think that's, at the end of the day, that's what Labor Day really, really stands for. Uh, Again, we have the origins of Labor Day. Just to go over that real quick, uh, as Jack said, Peter McGuire um, and Matthew Mugg-Guire proposed this observation of Labor Day. And the first official Labor Day was observed on Tuesday, September 5th. 1882 in New York City so you have that official date but I think the real importance behind Labor Day uh, is the laborers struggle to not only like improve um, American working standards and to improve maybe um, the working standards within industries and not only because of their initial work in those industries but also because they stood up for kind of These American values that we see as prevalent in our society that, you know, sometimes nowadays we forget about that and we forget about these values. Labor Day really should remind us that they are necessary to our society.
3: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's so much amazing info to digest because, uh, you know, the history behind Labor Day, it's so rich. There's so much info behind it. And how we were kind of talking about in the last segment, Americans these days, we could kind of take it for granted as, you know, another day off, I think you mentioned before, and not really take any time to understand all the nuances behind this holiday. So thank you so much for all this amazing info. Unfortunately, we are out of time for this segment. Um, visitor, I'm sorry, listeners please visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, blogs, and more. I'm Jovan Hundle. I'm Brigitte Gia.
2: Also, please visit our charity site at bethestarur.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash Stay right here as we continue our fascinating discussion on Labor Day.
0: On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids.
3: Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Jovan Hundle, and our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. Now, for this segment of Express Yourself, we are continuing our fascinating conversation on Labor Day.
2: Hi, Brigitte So in this specific segment, we're going to transition from the historic setting of the last, and we're going to kind of talk about staying productive during the Labor Day holiday and during school breaks in general. So kind of expanding it out to a more teen perspective and kind of going over what we personally think uh, is most effective in terms of staying productive for the school year, even though it is break. And so everyone loves break. And I know during this coming weekend, I'll be taking some time to really relax and gather my bearings. Um, But I feel like I also kind of need to stay productive. And so Joven, uh, let's just start off. Uh, do you have any tips for staying productive and to, you know, for balancing between rest and work?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know... Uh, it's been well documented that throughout the school year and pretty much from all of high school and even parts of middle school and definitely college that you know students get little sleep and they're far overworked and now that overworked part that can be attributed maybe to lack of time management but also just in general um, it's clear that students do need a bigger break than what they're getting sometimes. And so these holidays, they're a good way to accomplish that. You know, you get to honor something as well as take a short break. And so um, regarding, you know, these weekends and long weekends and such, uh, the number one thing all students need to do, you know, is get some sleep. So you should be sleeping eight, nine hours at least um, on Uh, these sorts of long weekends just to make up for any hours of sleep that you miss throughout the school week. And so beyond that, you know, when doing homework or anything like that, if your teachers give you more homework since you have more days to do it, you know, it is important to kind of take a break in between, so don't, you know, leave your work till the last day, spread it out throughout the long weekend, but maybe in between each subject or anything like that, take a small break, uh go hang out with some friends go watch an episode of some TV or anything like that
2: definitely definitely and i i, I really do agree with you you know it's it's good to kind of space your work out and not <laughs> procrastinate and do it on the last day you know i know i've had i've had my fair share of oh my gosh i've played this whole weekend and kind of just Chilled out, and <laughs> now I have a mountain of homework to do at the end. Right, so I definitely, right. you know, I definitely think it's it's a good idea, you know, to spread everything out and kind of portion it off. And I I definitely think there are a lot of like organizational tools that can help you really do that. Um, I know there are a lot of apps now uh, that are coming out on the uh, Apple uh, App Store and the what is the other one? The Google Play Store. Yes, mm-hmm. for Android, right? And um, there are a lot of new organizational apps coming out, uh, which I think are really helpful. Uh, I've used a few myself, and I think they'll help students spread out the work. And I know personally, uh, my school uses a system called School Loop. Uh, I don't know if you guys have. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, School Loop, or I think there's one called uh, Power School or something like that, where they give you kind of little checklists to um, click on when you're done with everything. And I think that's also a pretty good way of kind of staying on top of it. Um, And so, Joven... Do you think people should really, uh, you know, what do you think is best, um, taking advantage of holidays to do extra work or, you know, um, taking holidays as really just a way to relax?
3: Yeah, you know, that's a good question because, you know, finding the ultimate balance between work and play, you know, that's the goal, right? And so... It does beg the question then that you need to be self-aware as in maybe you're taking a lot of really hard classes this year and maybe you don't have any homework for them, but there might be a test coming up that you need to study for and get a head start on, maybe some homework that you know will be coming up later on, you can read some chapters, etc., but you're not going to want to push yourself too hard. Um, you do need to be self-aware about your situation Um, maybe how much homework you have, but then also be self-aware in the respect that, you know, all work and no play makes Jack a very dull boy. Um, (laughs) and so, you know, being able to balance something like that, you know, during spring break, you know, March, April, whenever your school has it. Uh, for AP students who have a, the big AP test coming up in just a month or two, you know they have to be able to find that sort of balance because spring break you know that's when a lot of students start or continue to study for these AP tests and but at the same time since you know second semester that's when you're getting all this boatloads of homework, uh, you do need to, um, be able to find a balance. And I like how you were saying about, you know, the, all these new apps coming out. So organizational tools, you know, it's never been easier to sort of shorten your time spent doing the unimportant little trivial things.
2: Definitely. Yeah. And you can, uh, you can time your breaks now, I think with the certain methods, you can kind of be like, oh, you know, five minutes, I'm just going to go downstairs and like grab a snack between study sessions. (laughs) Um, and oh man, definitely APs. I, um, I, I tend to every year I sign up for a bunch of APs and I don't think about like the May, the the <laughs> impending doom of May. And then I get to April, I get to spring break, and there's just so much to study. And um, definitely, I think um spring break in particular is really good for AP studying but it is kind of easy to overwork yourself and get into studying so much that you don't pay attention to your need for relaxation and maybe like your need for sleep as well Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, personally I'm super super excited because I'm a senior this year and so I you know I'm taking six APs it's a it's a workload and I'll still have some work to um, get done before May but like By then, college apps will be over and (laughs) I'll be a second semester senior. So I'm super excited about kind of maybe, hopefully taking a bit of a break um, during spring break instead of really just studying for everything. So hopefully I'll get some rest in, uh, crossing my fingers. And so um, I I just like to, you know, shift the conversation a little bit over to maybe time management tips and tricks, Mm -hmm. uh, just because I I love bullet journals and uh, stuff like that. And I, I think I've probably waxed poetic about Full of journals, maybe at least like five times on this <laughs> show, but I, I, just I think they're so lovely, and I think the new planner, um, planner fad, uh, it, it's a trend, and you know some people think planners are a little overbearing, but it's just so nice that a lot of organizational methods are you know making their their cultural debut, mm-hmm. so to speak. You know, planners are usually people used to regard him as this old like know crotchety thing to do like oh you have a paper planner like that's so adult and gross but um, (laughs) now it's kind of the thing to have a cute planner to have a cool looking planner and uh, I think that sort of thing, the the aesthetic of it will also push you to use your planner. You know, if you want to make your planner pretty, you also kind of have to use it. Um, and so it's, it's super good that all of these new organizational methods are coming back. They're making, again, their cultural debut. And um, so Joven, do you use any sort of planner? Uh, would you recommend a certain organizational method
3: uh, for getting work done? Yeah, so it's actually interesting because just a few days ago, um, my school they handed out all of us handed out a planner to all of us. You know, this is the first year doing it. Um, some of the English teachers kind of convinced the administration that they should spend the extra money in the budget getting a planner for everyone, and you know it has been working very well. Um, teachers are encouraging its use by students, etc. and you know, other organizational things that, you know, are very important, whether it's AP tests and you have this super long textbook with super small font, so that there's just so much information you need to get through. And then it's good to just have, you know, those little post-it flags by you. Ooh, yeah. So that, um, you know, you're obviously reading this info maybe for a test that's coming up, but then you can also put a little flag there, highlight something, so you know a few months from now when you're studying for that AP test that, oh, this is an important concept and I need to come back to it. And, you know, just little things like that, you're already reading that section, why not just stick a little note there? That's going to save you time later on in the future, maybe when you're even cramming. Um <laughs> To, you know, just find that specific spot, find that concept. And, you know, it doesn't even have to just be for AP test, whether it's for, you know, maybe um, some sort of book you're reading in English and you need to find any sort of dialogue or important part of the novel and you want to be able to refer back to it easily for your English class, same thing applies.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, quotes for English class, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> they want, you know, in-class essays or take-home essays. And they're like, oh, you better get a quote and support it with your evidence. And so you have to go back and find the quote. But, you know, as you said Putting a post-it note in there would definitely save that time as well. Uh, I think that's a great idea. I need to start doing that more often. Uh, I used to for my AP European History uh, studying or like reviewing the textbook. I'd like summarize everything on a post-it and like slap it on the page and try to like read all those post-its at the end. (laughs) But I think maybe maybe just leaving the text as it is on the book and then. You know, writing uh, just like a little note and reading the textbook instead of rewriting it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I need to start doing that. <laughs> uh, it's definitely a great idea. And I think just um, adding on to what you said about like studying and taking breaks, really quick. Um, again, I I bring this up a lot on the radio, but I love the Pomodoro method. Uh, the I think it's Pomodoro, like tomato method, where you do a 25 minute. Um, it's 25 minutes of studying or doing whatever work you need to get done. Five minutes of break. And then another 25 minutes, another five minutes. Uh, And then once you hit your third 25 minutes, after you finish that, you get 15 minutes of break. And I think it just works so well in line with what we've been discussing about You know, taking breaks, and on a smaller scale, it is a great way to relax, get some stretching time in there, as well as sit down and really get your work done. Uh, Well, thanks so much, Joven, anyway, for this great conversation about organizational methods and getting work done. Uh, Excited for your school's new planners. Glad the English (laughs) teachers were able to do that. Uh, Unfortunately, we are out of time. Uh, Audience, during the break, be sure to check out our charity site at btsya.org which stands for Be The Star You Are 501 C3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity. More information is under events at our website at btsya.org I'm Brigitte Gia. And
3: I'm Jovan Hundle. Visit www.ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for more information about our show. And when we come back we will be continuing our inspiring conversation on Labor Day.
0: We didn't invent Kid Talk, we perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids.
2: I'm Brigitte Gia, and today's hour is all
3: about Labor Day. And I'm Jovan Hundle. We'll be closing the show today with another edition of my recurring segment, World Watch. Now, with Labor Day and work in general in mind, I thought I'd dedicate this segment to highlighting some individuals from around the world who do not have the same three-day weekend luxury that we do. Now, first up, I wanted to talk about the upcoming 2022 World Cup you know, um, soccer, or football, or whatever you want to call it. It is the most played sport in the world. And the World Cup is the most viewed sporting event in the world, even surpassing the Olympics. Now, the 2018 World Cup is being held in just a year in Russia. And four years after that, you know, the 2022 World Cup will be occurring in Qatar, Now, in recent years, FIFA, the global governing body of soccer, has been put under close scrutiny with boatloads of evidence coming out about bribes and other crimes being rampant within the organization. Uh, The former head of FIFA, Seth Blatter, who was the president for decades, was finally removed as a result of all this, and many other top officials have been arrested, banned for life, or are currently being prosecuted around the world. Now, the awardings of the previous World Cups in Brazil, South Africa, Germany, and other countries are all being examined as well for bribes and any other sort of tampering. Now, in regards to the 2022 World Cup in Qatar, uh, many have called for the nation to be stripped of the tournament and for it to be given to a country like the United States or different European countries, which already have many different stadiums that could be made available for the event on short notice. And now the reason that people are arguing that Qatar should be stripped of um, um, this event is uh, starts with the fact that Qatar has absolutely no stadiums that meet FIFA standards for a World Cup. And so that's none, again. And so this means that laborers in the country are working around the clock in the blistering Middle Eastern heat. You know, I live in the Central Valley in California, and I think it's hot here. But, you know, in the (laughs) Middle East, it's even hotter. And so they've been working since 2010 for these stadiums. Um, and will be continuing to do so for even more years. So journalists from all around the world have documented how these workers receive little water, only small breaks, and little to no compensation. Most damningly, since 2010, when construction began again, over 1,000 people have died. That's right, over 1,000 people have already died for a month-long sporting event that won't even happen for years. Jesus. <laughs> And even worse, The Guardian reports that up to 3,000 more people um, are under danger as well, and mainly due to dehydration and overwork. These poor laborers are working in a job that might lead to their death. And to make matters worse, the government of Qatar seems to understand how dangerous these jobs are, they just don't care. They don't want to lose any of their own citizens, so the vast majority of the workers working to build these different stadiums are brought in from India and Nepal, and these individuals who don't even speak the language don't know any better to come build these stadiums, and who knows if they're going to die in this job? You know, they again, they don't speak the language. They probably don't know what they're being roped into. And they might think that, you know, Qatar is a very rich country due to oil. So who knows what they might be thinking and coming. Maybe they think they'll be able to get some financial security when they might not even be able to get... I mean, life security. It sickens me that corporate sponsors of FIFA, like Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Visa, Adidas, you know, companies that we all know and love, choose to ignore these blatant human rights violations and just slap their logo onto a stadium that people died over. And so, you know, again, so many people have, you know, rightfully, in my opinion, uh, called for Qatar to be stripped of the World Cup, but FIFA you know, are being quiet on that front. Uh, It's believed that this could be, just because of contracts already signed, that would be difficult, if not impossible, to um, pull out of Qatar, but I mean, if thousands of people are dying, I don't think there's a price too small, Uh. and, you know, kind of shifting gears for a second. Uh, talking about China for a second, so many of you know our products are made there and you know reading the made in China tag, we don't even bat our eyes. yet in the factories that make these sorts of products, people undergo backbreaking work for you know a lot of times a minimum of twelve hours a day. At any point, security in these factories um, they're allowed to physically harm anybody who stops working for an extended period of time. Uh, beyond a 12-hour workday, some factories even require that people work overtime. And this is not an optional decision. If the manager says you have to work overtime after already working 12 hours, then you have to do it. And saying no could lead to a fine or even getting fired. And weekends also do not mean no work. So not only do they not get the three-day labor weekend that we get, uh, they don't necessarily even get weekends at all. Um, Usually they'll get less than five days off each month. And only one day off each month is a very real possibility. And, you know, just thinking about that for a second, you might have to work over 12 hours a day in a factory where you can be beaten at any time and you might only have one day off a month. The labor unions in China, um, they're kind of just there for appearances sake. Uh, So that the government can kind of, you know, portray to the world, oh, we do have labor unions. But the actual workers there have no records at all to get, you know, just a normal life for their family. And after the products in these factories are produced, companies um, with brands that, again, we all know and love and use every day will purchase the products from the factory owner. And so these corporations will make claims that since they do not own the factory themselves, they are not the ones who led to the terrible conditions workers face. Yet, yeah, if they didn't buy products from these factories, then the workers might not be facing these conditions. And so, you know, that's a big thing. Money talks. And so if companies just refuse to buy products from these factories, then of course change would occur. And it's kind of uplifting, though, because in recent years, we've seen similar sorts of things happen in the Ivory Coast and other countries in Equatorial Africa where a lot of Western chocolate companies buy their chocolate. And so um, there's recently been a rise in the fair trade movement where companies will only purchase the um, like cocoa beans from areas where you know, they've verified that fair trade is occurring. And in other words, fair trade means no child labor as well as not too strict working conditions. And so furthermore, there's also been a rise in customers only buying chocolate with the fair trade seal on there. So I'd urge all of you viewers that whenever you're in you know you're in the grocery store, you see a chocolate bar, just to make sure it'll have that tiny little seal on it. And if that company doesn't have it on there, I strongly urge you to boycott that company. And I'm sure there are many other companies there that will have that seal. And so studies have shown that this fair trade um, movement has led to a sharp decrease in child labor, and so if all of us, you know, those privileged enough to not have to undergo any of this work, decided together to stop buying products from companies that you know support these unsavory factories in China or other countries, and only buy products that are verified to come from certain sellers that are respecting human rights, we would have the power to stop all this. You know, it's in our hands now. I don't think enough of us. Just try and look at the perspective and plights of other global citizens, which is something we desperately need to change, not just for this issue, but for many others as well.
2: Definitely. You know, um, it, it's interesting, too, to look at kind of uh, the role that corporations play in this sort of, you know, um, commoditization? What is the word? Uh, this sort of taking advantage of labor, cheap labor, uh, specifically, uh, that you've been discussing. And, um, oh, man, I was in AP Comparative Government uh, the other day. And my teacher, um, first of all, he said, who's wearing Nike shoes? And he went around um, kind of telling people, hey, you know, bigger shoe companies, Use a lot of child labor, use a lot of sweatshop Mm -hmm, labor mm -hmm. in foreign markets or in foreign countries where the labor is cheap. And then he says something that was very interesting where he said Vietnam, uh, for example, where a lot of companies take advantage of the cheap labor, they don't have a minimum wage like we do. They don't, you know, the government hasn't put that in place. And mm-hmm. so a worker who's working in a sweatshop will make $600 a year. Like, that's how much you'll be <laughs> offered. And it's it's the lowest, like, a um, paltry sum at best.
3: Right, right.
2: the thing is, he's, you know, that's the best offer that he's got because there's no minimum wage. You know, a lot of people are not able to, you know, get enough money even without like if they don't go to the sweatshop job then they have nothing and i think that's so saddening as well that this is the only option they've got and uh-huh. it's it's not even an option i don't i don't even doesn't even count as an option it's like <laughs> 600 a year how does one survive off of that how does one survive and support one's children and you know
3: like have a standard of living or a good quality of life, you know? And, you know, it's such a vicious cycle because the problem is... Unless you know people in other countries band together to stop supporting these sorts of companies, the cycle is just going to keep repeating itself. You know mm. uh, their kids, if they're even able to support them, these poor workers, then those kids are going to have to go through the exact same process when they grow older because there's just really no end in sight as it's long gonna as we're poverty just, exactly yeah. exactly
2: oh you know before we before we finish up and end the show real quick I'd just like to throw out that um, a lot of shrimp a lot of I, I don't know if it's wild caught or farm caught but I know that a lot of shrimp is kind of harvested in places like Vietnam in Thailand uh, where they do use a lot of child labor and I think it's it's a crazy high percentage uh, of like the chances that your shrimp might come from a a corporation that uses child labor cheap you know inhumane labor so uh just audience be cautious of that uh check where your shrimp comes from uh hopefully we can start changing you know things in every sector of the economy uh for the better and stray away from inhumane practices
3: Oh, you know, absolutely. Again, the future is in our hands, and if we stop purchasing products from these companies, then, you know, hopefully we can see an end to this. And so, well, Brigitte, this was an awesome show today about Labor Day and Be the Star You Are. Sadly, it is time to say farewell tonight. Uh, We give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America kids crew, especially our engineer, Matt. And thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Jovan Hundle.
2: Hi, I'm Brigitte Gia. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For information on our creative community, go to expressyourselfteenradio.com and our main site at bethestarur.org. Until next week, be kind, be
0: relaxed, be productive, and be here. Remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines If you would let yourself